What's up, everybody? Long time no talkie. Ryan Alter back again. Sports Talk Unfiltered, Unapologetic, episode 11. And it's been a little bit, been a couple weeks. I'm still trying to get my footing underneath me here with how often I'm going to do these pods. Uh, once the NFL kicks in full gear, we'll be going once a week like I kind of was when I started it up. But for me, there's a little bit of downtime when when it's uh, getting towards the end of the NBA season and we're only in baseball. March Madness has passed. The draft has passed. So I'm going to try to get um, an even timeline going on for this thing as it goes forward. But it's good to be back. Today is Thursday, May 23rd, 2019, episode 11 again. And uh, I got a bunch of topics to hit tonight. I haven't uh, done a pod in probably like two or three weeks. So it's, it's good to be back. Been super, super busy, but I've been missing uh, recording a little bit, spending some good time with my family. Got a lot of stuff going on at work. So uh, let's get to it, though. The Warriors, I wanted to start off with that. Five straight NBA Finals appearances. It goes without saying how impressive that is. Anybody who follows sports closely, like if you're listening to this, you obviously do. It's really hard in 2019 for franchises in any of the major sports to go on stretches like this with free agency and just the way things are ran, salary caps. I know baseball obviously doesn't have the cap, but they do have a luxury tax. But it's just extremely, extremely hard to have sustained success at that type of level with the cap again, um, free agency, also, some other factors in there, mainly injuries, things like that. So, the Warriors are the only, or are only, the eighth North American franchise. And I think it's since, like, basically the 40s or 50s. So, you're talking about, you know, a 70-year span. They're only the eighth team to make a final in their sport uh, five straight times. Now... Uh, that's also included hockey, which I think the New York Islanders are one of those teams and the Montreal Canadiens. I don't really consider hockey a sport. I consider it kind of a hobby. Um, it's, you know, I don't believe in it really. And um, if you discount that, then you're talking only the sixth team out of football, baseball, and basketball. So it's a very, very impressive feat. Steve Kerr completely uh, changed basically this team's confidence and kind of swagger and basically just put them over the hump with his really laid back and kind of um, hot and cold kind of demeanor. He gets into it sometimes with the refs or a Draymond breaks his clipboards. The rest of the time, he's just really this almost kind of laid back Zen guy. I think he probably got that from Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich on some different levels, a combination of the two. It's his 10th NBA Finals. He went five times as a player, won all five times, three with the Bulls, two with the Spurs, and now five trips with the Warriors. So Kerr, you know, when he took over this franchise from Mark Jackson, it really was a blessing in disguise that that Jackson got let go. I hate always having to beat this drum because it, it sounds like I'm beating on Mark Jackson, which I guess I am a little bit. Mark Jackson, though, needs to have credit for changing the culture of the Warriors. Okay, they were a losing franchise. Don Nelson had come back. They still were a losing franchise for a lot, a lot of years. And Mark Jackson came in and gave them a little bit of a toughness and defensive identity that they had lacked. But when push came to shove and they became a 50-win team 
and they were getting eliminated by the Clippers in his final year, you know, I started to notice and pick up on some things. Offensively, they were inept. They just were not blossoming and even in the same stratosphere uh, offensively that they became when, when Kerr took over. Jackson, you know, uh, one of his faults was that he was not an offensive guy in any way whatsoever. And when I say in any way whatsoever, I'm talking about the Warriors would have timeouts during games and he would be sipping on water standing up while his one of his assistants would be drawing the play up in the huddle. So he had zero capability of being an X's and O's guys uh, when it came to offensive strategy at crucial and important times of ball games. And your, your head guy needs to be able to uh, take the Sharpie and draw one up real quick when, when need be. And I think that Kerr does a great job of deferring to his assistants um, for, you know, accountability and getting stuff done. And he treats everybody equally in the same. And I don't know if, you know, Jackson did or not. I'm not going to knock him for something I don't know about. But, you know, the Warriors, you know, they, ever since Kerr's gotten here, they have these huge team dinners and, you know, the janitors invited, you know, and the janitors treated like Steph Curry and Steph Curry treats the janitor like he would Clay Thompson. And there's just a humbleness in that building that I think Kerr brought. And it's also a competitive fire at the same time, too. These guys all want to win and they're selfless. So it's just, again, a really, really impressive feat. It's super cool um, that I get to live here in the Bay Area and experience this firsthand and get to watch it firsthand. They just play a special, special brand of basketball. They're so fun to watch. And, you know, it's hard to fault this team over the last five years. They drive me nuts with, with their turnovers and sloppy play. It's it's funny. is The Warriors, you know, they don't usually mishandle the ball when they're dribbling and things of that nature, right? When they're turning the ball over, it's just – showboat and passes essentially you're talking about really really long uh kind of hail mary type throws down the court or other stuff that just gets picked off it's elementary stuff so what i'm getting at is when they're playing their brand the right way there's a reason you see them up by 20 or 30 points that's because you know they're not kind of messing around at, at those points in time um i think this series between the Raptors and the Bucks has really shifted gears. You know, the Bucks, the opening game, they were down actually. Toronto had that game in their grasp, but the Bucks ended up closing it out. Then they whooped them in game two. They're up two nothing. Well, game three comes along and I thought they had that game almost won. And then they would have had Toronto on the ropes and in real trouble. Toronto though, stuck it out, won that game, won game four handily. And now we're looking like the, the tide is completely shifted. So I don't know. I, I think both teams with the big men that they have and other things will give the Warriors some problems. But I think the way Golden State's just playing and the swagger that they have, it's just kind of undeniable. And it's something that these other teams just don't have as far as the playoff grit and experience that the Warriors do. They've been down three to one. Uh, more than once, I believe they just are winners and they know how to win. They know what it takes come this time of year. And I think even if they have uh, physical disadvantages against Milwaukee or Toronto, I think that that swagger and experience is going to make all the difference in the world against either one of those teams and probably put them on top. 
I think it's not going to be easy. I think it'll be a six or seven game series, no matter who they play. But I'm still expecting Golden State to take home its fifth, sorry, fourth title in five years, which is also a feat that the Bulls in the 90s, the Lakers in the 2000s, uh, those teams, franchises obviously both won uh, three-peat. They three-peated, both of them did, but none of them won four in five years. So the Warriors, if they were able to do that, would be super impressive, including a trip to the finals that they lost to the Cavs. So kudos to uh, Golden State and, and all their players, hard workers, Steve Kerr, his staff, the ownership, Bob Myers. These guys really, really uh, do whatever they can to put their guys in the best positions to win. They've added players to this roster in the past five years that have fit the Warriors and what they do. And it just goes to show Kerr playing Alfonso McKinney, Jordan Bell, guys on his bench, Quinn Cook, that he hasn't played a ton this year, Jarebko, and to give these guys significant minutes in big games really does wonders for their confidence. And um, the guys have proven him right by getting good minutes when he's put him in there. So I'm excited for the finals. I think it's going to be nothing like last year. And let's be honest, no one wants to see a 4 nothing sweep in the finals. Competition and good good games is good for any sport. Blowouts, you know, when it's your team smoking the other team, um, yeah, that can be kind of cool But because you want to get the chip any, any which way. But a competitive game is always more exciting and makes makes for uh, funner times. So we'll see what who comes out of this Toronto and, and Buck series and then awaits the you know the Warriors will be awaiting, but I expect it to be good no matter who it is. This next one, man, this happened a little while ago. So I know I'm late to the party with this because I've been on a little bit of a break. But Zion Williamson got basically is going to be getting drafted by the Pelicans. Now, I've heard a lot of talk about this either way. Um, essentially, what happened is the, the Pelicans won the lottery <laughs> and when they had very low odds of doing so. You know, I like the lottery part of the NBA draft because I think it's kind of cool that it's not just like the NFL where the where the worst team automatically gets the first pick and yada, yada, yada. A huge difference between football and basketball is in basketball, teams tank. They basically go out there and lose games on purpose, which is pathetic, to be honest with you, but it is what it is. And over an 82-game season, that makes for some, some poor play, and it's one of my knocks on the league. But what I like about that is those teams aren't always rewarded for doing that. So the Bulls and Cavs basically blatantly tanked all year, and neither one of them got even in the top four. So I kind of was happy. I also think New Orleans, you know, has kind of gotten a raw deal somewhat um, with things that have happened with that franchise. They don't get a lot of great crowds out there. Uh, Anthony Davis has basically been threatening them to leave and wants to be traded, which kind of sucks. I mean, you're talking about arguably a top five player in the league. But who knows what happens now? You know, you get the number one pick when you had low odds to do so. Zion Williamson will just unquestionably bring them a few more butts in the seats and, and a few more eyeballs onto their franchise, especially if they were able to keep Anthony Davis in the fold somehow and pair those two together. Williamson is a phenom. Okay, He's got a bright, big smile, too. He's just a good kid, man. You can tell he's, he's grade-A human, man. And 
I think that New Orleans hit the jackpot getting the rights to this kid. Now, he has not signed with an agent yet, and that means he can go back to Duke. I just find that highly unlikely. He's still extremely young, though. He'll be 19, I think, in like July. And he'll basically be in the league playing games, you know, his whole rookie year as a 19-year-old. Now, he could go back to Duke for his sophomore year and then get drafted as a 20-year-old and still have his whole career ahead of him. I just don't see that happening. I think that the rumors out there of that, that he didn't want to play in New Orleans and he was going to go back to Duke, is all fabricated by the media. Like, they make up everything else, whether it comes to sports or pitting uh, Republicans versus Democrats or any of the other BS that they pull. They're just looking for clicks and looking for, you know, sensational stories and and just crap for other people to get, you know, fake outrage about and pissed off and talking heads about things. Williamson's stepdad, um, who basically has been in his life since he's like one or two years old, raised them. They're extremely close. And, the, and his stepdad is basically saying, you know, we're going to see this process through. And, you know, we're excited to go to New Orleans. So I I think that he's going to stay the course, stay in the league. And I think he'll end up getting drafted by the Pelicans. And we'll see how it goes the next four or five years or so. This kid, what people don't realize, a lot of people don't know this, actually. He's going to enter the league as basically like the second heaviest player in the league. And this kid's all muscle, man. So the sky's the limit for him if he can keep developing a mid-range shot and a couple different shots um, from, you know, the post, maybe a little fadeaway because he already has great, you know, post game, but he's going to keep, hopefully they get somebody in new Orleans that, um, you know, knows a lot about low post and, and high post moves and footwork because Williamson can keep really developing and become a really, really good, if not great hall of fame pro. The athletic ability and potential is there. The work ethic is definitely there. I mean, you can just tell in games when he was at Duke, he works his ass off. So this kid doesn't have a lazy bone in his body, it seems. I um, I kind of think it's intriguing, again, that that New Orleans ended up with this pick and, and they're going to get him. And I, I, for one, hope he does not go back to Duke just to avoid that. Now, having said all this, the league has just got kind of some bad luck because you really kind of needed the Knicks in the small way to get that number one pick. Basketball in general in the NBA is better when the Knicks, the Celtics, and the Lakers are all three prominent and competitive. Okay. And the Celtics have been on the rise again for the last, I don't know, three, four years or so, which is good. But the Lakers and the Knicks are in the toilet, okay? And the Knicks, man, they've been in the toilet for quite some time, and they just can't seem to climb themselves out. You see another rumor this week that Christoph Porzingis went to management, and basically, I, you know, I, kudos to the Knicks front office for kind of keeping this story under wraps. They didn't need to go sing like canaries about it. They took the high road when they could have really uh, – you know, sold this kid down the river, but supposedly he walked into their office and said, look, I've had enough trade me within seven days or I'll just go back to Europe. I don't care. And he basically forced their hand completely into moving him, Um, which kind of sucks. You know what I mean? I lost a little bit of respect for him for that in a way I get that athletes um, 
some people believe in they definitely should have more control over their decision-making stuff, which is fine. That's what free agency is for. It's not for, I signed a contract. Now I'm not going to honor it unless you do this. You know, I would have told him, piss off, go back to Europe then, you know, but at the end of the day, it's a business and they, if they're going to lose them, you might as well get something for them. And that's what some of these teams are, are being forced into in a lot of these situations. And that's because, Again, the NBA is a player-ran league, and it kind of sucks for some of these franchises because, you know, when you have players controlling your fate like that, you could be doormats for long periods of time. Now, it's not to say if the Knicks would have kept Porzingis, um, you know, that they would have stayed the course and been good. Who knows? They've been bad for so long and just mismanaged. You just – it's kind of – when you're in situations like that, and you see it repeatedly over and over year after year. It's kind of hard to envision them climbing out of the gutter. So I, I really think they could have used that number one pick. Obviously Zion Williamson in New York as a Nick would have just been electric man. And, and that would have been exciting to see, you know, but it didn't happen. And that that's how it goes. The bulls were the other team, obviously trying to get him too. that would have brought some excitement back to Chicago. They just, you know, had the whole Jimmy Butler kind of fiasco in the offseason. They lost him. And they've been down in the dumps for a little bit, too. Obviously, the Bulls, to me, even though they had Jordan Pippen in their heyday and were a great franchise for that stretch, they're still not basketball royalty, in my opinion, at least um, as even the Knicks, in a way, because of the New York market. There's just nothing like New York and L.A. markets. L.A. has the winning history along with Boston. So they're kind of automatics too, but I, I, I think that Zion on the Knicks would have been bigger and a better thing for the NBA than he even would have been on the Bulls. Now on the Pelicans, you know, you're talking about probably the second smallest and uh, least thriving NBA market in the whole league. So in that regard, you know, the, the league probably was not happy about how that turned out, but We'll see how it goes. He's a good kid, hard worker, an electric player, and I think he'll be popular no matter where he's at. And we'll see what he does for that franchise and if he can boost morale around there, ticket sales, and everything else. KD, KD, KD. Whew. Where do I start with this guy, man? Kevin Durant, you know, a few years ago, when the whole Hamptons deal happened, okay, I think the problem with the situation with Durant and the Warriors is he's not comfortable in his own skin, it seems like, okay? When you are going to make the move, and at the time, facts are facts, okay? The Warriors were 73-9. and nine. They had just broke the record. Now, they, they were up 3-1 on the Cavs, and that whole collapse happened, and they didn't win the title that year. And it is what it is. You know, they, they they didn't close out. I personally don't like making excuses for guys. They just didn't play that well. I know for a fact Steph Curry was hurt during that finals. Not that he's been finals MVP for any of their three chips, but he definitely was not himself. Draymond Green and that whole suspension was a joke. And there's just some factors in there. Uh, the Cavs, you know, played like they wanted it more those last couple of games, and they earned the title. And the Warriors went out, and they went – and flew Iggy and Steph, Clay and Draymond to the Hamptons and met. And Warriors Brass, I think Kerr and 
Bob Myers and a couple of them were in the room and they left the room for a while. And that's the old saying goes, they, the other four sat there and just talked to Durant one-on-one. And the Warriors are some good salesmen because they're genuine about it. I really don't think that Steph and Clay and Draymond and Iggy care more about anything other than winning titles. Obviously, when you're in the NBA and you're at that level, you want to be a great player. You're a competitor. You want to be the best, right? But winning titles has always been higher on the priority list for all four of those guys than being individually recognized. Because, you know, for them to say, we're selfless, man, we don't care who gets the credit, we don't care who gets the ball the most, who scores the most, whatever, come here and and win with us. And we'll just build a fat dynasty together. And Durant bought into that because it was genuine. And the Warriors really didn't care um, who got credit for what because winning's all that's ever mattered to them. And that's the genuine truth. Kevin, on the other hand, cares what people think. Okay. Especially when you hear these guys, Jordan and Larry Bird and whoever magic, Oh, I wouldn't have recruited this guy. And uh, you know, I, you know, we didn't like to team up and this and that. And I wouldn't have gone to a, a winning team like that to cherry pick a title. Well, first of all, Steph and Draymond and, and Clay and, Iggy, they don't give a crap what 60-year-old goats are saying about them teaming up with whoever, right? It doesn't matter to them. Just look at their hands and count the rings. And I think this year, with Kevin Durant getting hurt pulling his calf a few weeks ago, it really puts it in perspective that the Warriors have still stayed the course and kept winning, and now they're in the finals again. They really don't have anything to prove to anybody. So the fact that they went and recruited Durant really has no bearing on their legacy because they're winners with or without him. But they wanted him to be with them, I think, because he's just such a great basketball player and fits what they do. Now, they played a lot of iso ball with him this year because he's just such a dominant, effortless scorer, man. I mean, it's, it's I don't know if I've ever seen anybody score like him with relative ease that he does. But for him, personally, I think it's always bothered him, the criticism. And getting back to him making the decision to come here at the given situation when they were 73 and nine, and he had just lost to them in a seven game series, he was going to take heat. And he had to envision that. Everybody knew it. And the minute he announced that he was going to be on the Warriors, it was just a total lambasting of him throughout the media, fans, whoever, and former players, whoever. I mean, it was just everybody piling on. And I think Durant had to see that coming. It was very obvious that that was going to be the case and he didn't handle it well. And he never has. And you look recently, another situation. I don't really care about the whole blow up with Draymond earlier in the year in LA. Um, Draymond is Draymond and you got to take the good with the bad. He's emotional. Um, he's a hothead a little bit and he, he says what's on his mind and I don't think Kevin Durant owes it to anybody that uh, he has to play here or has to play there or whatever. But knowing that you're going to be a free agent and you're not ready to make that decision yet, you still have to know when you're one of the best players in the world, probably the best player in the world as of right now, it's going to be a topic of discussion. So to expect the fans and media to not make a big deal about where you're going to be next year. If you're not sitting there, just putting it to bed and the rest saying, I'm going to be a warrior. I'm going to stay here. Then they're going to speculate that you're not. 
And that has to be expected. It's common sense, dude. So I don't understand why this guy's being Mr. Sensitive all over again and getting pissed off at Ethan Sherwood Strauss or any of the other members of the media for speculating he's not got one foot out the door. Because obviously the smart money would tell you that he does have one foot out the door. And I've seen from multiple basically sources and people that he's going to be a Nick. And I think that it's very simple in my mind why he goes and does that. He wants the credit of taking a franchise and putting them on his back and not cherry picking a title. Because at the end of the day, he's going to leave the Warriors. He's probably going to have three rings and people are still going to have an asterisk next to him, or that's how he's going to feel at least. And he really shouldn't because it really doesn't matter because he's been the best player on the Warriors, not Curry or Draymond or Clay. Now they don't need him to win, but he is one here fair and square. And I think that going to another franchise such as the Knicks, where they're basically again in the toilet and you get Kyrie to go with you or a few other guys, they draft a few guys and then you get them to a level where they're competitive and getting to the finals or whatever. And you can maybe get over the hump and win a title without the Warriors. I think that's that validation that he's looking for. And I just think at, you know, probably 30 years old, he's going to be next year at 31. You're chasing something, man, that is possibly going to be elusive to you and never come. I mean, even with Kyrie joining you in New York, that is a tall order, a tall order. So I could see if he went to the Clippers, which um, he has a couple of people already there that he's really close with as well. And the Clippers are a good team. And Durant might put them over the top. So I, I think if you're going to leave the Warriors and go to a situation where you want it to be where you're helping that team compete and you're the man there, but it's not like you're joining a bunch of all-stars, I think the Clippers would probably be the better choice. I was talking to my buddy Jason about this actually today on the phone. But the Knicks is different because the Knicks is the New York media, the spotlight. They're in the gutter. You bring them back. You're a hero. He just opened a, a, some type of media or, or some type of software or some other uh, business like that in New York as well um, with his business partners. But what this guy doesn't understand and to me is underestimating is you think, you know, Monty Poole and Tim Kawakami are here asking you difficult questions and you're getting pissed off here in the Bay Area. <laughs> Dude, they're just going to crucify you in New York, man. If The media there is ruthless. And they don't give a crap about you pouting or your feelings or anything. And you're going to be miserable there if things aren't going the way that you'd like them to. So be careful what you ask for. If I had a prediction, I just I do not see Durant coming back to the Warriors. I think that's a foregone conclusion. And it's a little bit sad because the media has driven a lot of this chatter and talk and other stuff and put a wedge between to me, him and the franchise a little bit. I don't think Steph and Clay and any of them could care less about any of that stuff, but that's just the way it's going to, it's going to be. It's the way it's coming off right now. And I think Duran again has one for one foot out the door. So I'll slam out a quick quick one real quick on um, some of these rookie OTAs and mini camps and whatnot. I was watching Kyler Murray throw the throw the ball with Arizona. Murray throws a nice ball, man. And I think that 
he is going to be a good a player. As long as he doesn't get hurt, he's going to be a really, really, really good player. If, you know, a quarterback should try to escape the pocket to get outside and, and get rid of the ball and, and make passing plays, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't be scrambling to make running plays. And I think Murray is honestly going to be someone who's elusive and kind of like Russell Wilson. But he just throws a really, really nice ball. Now, I know in OTAs, there's not really hitting drills and you're not doing a ton. But you can just tell, man, that his arm is, is to me, he, he just is going to be a player. Um, some other stuff you've seen, Nick Bosa's already hurt for the Niners. Kind of pisses me off a little bit. But what are you going to do? I still think, you know, you had to make that pick at number two because he's the best player available. Quinnen Williams was the other guy that I actually the last two weeks kind of wanted over Bosa. He's also hurt too for the Jets. So we'll see how, how this year is going to go for all those guys. Uh, Ruben Foster tore his ACL, literally his first rep with the Redskins, and it looks pretty bad, they said. So it was kind of nice seeing Alex Smith out there um, standing out at OTAs and chucking the ball a little bit and there to support his teammates. So, I like the fact that these guys got the helmet and jerseys and shorts on, no pads yet, but it's nice to see that summer's approaching and, and football's not too far off. I can't wait for the season, and it's going to be an exciting year. Optimistic. Um, my Niners are going to be back in the fold, so we'll see. I'm expecting seven wins at least, but I'm not going to have these huge expectations. You know, Peter King had them as the ranked seventh team, which is just absolutely ridiculous considering some of the teams that were behind them the bears for one at eight uh who in their right mind would put the niners ranked up up the bears right now that's just lunacy so anyway i just wanted to touch real quick on seeing a few of these guys at otas kyler murray looks looks awesome and uh, antonio brown i saw him out there with Derek Carr and the raiders brown is a workaholic say what you want about him being a diva on instagram and whatnot one thing you can't knock on Brown, man, is he works his ass off. That's for sure. So I think Oakland's going to be improved a lot too. Just just the fact of having Brown and, and a couple other guys on offense and defense, I, I expect them in year two with Gruden, get the playbook down a little better and be a little more competitive. So exciting, exciting stuff coming up for the NFL. You know, once, once you get June here, and you just basically got three full months to get through June, July, and August, and then the games are started. So it's going to be cool, man. Can't wait. Anyway, man, that's all I got for this week, you guys. I'm going to be back. Uh, probably going to do a pod either next week or every other for now. I'm probably going to probably going to try to get settled into doing that actually about every other week. Slam these out and give me a, a little bit more ammo to talk about on some of the stuff that's little bit slower we'll see if there's any baseball stuff going on in the next couple weeks as well and i'll talk to you guys soon enjoy the rest of your uh rest of your week and weekend happy memorial day everyone be safe out there a lot of traffic don't drink and drive all right talk to you soon